G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. When we think of Christian leaders, oftentimes our thoughts go to the leaders in the church or in major mission endeavours. We might think of people who are in parachurch ministries. But our guest today says not every believer is called to work in a congregational setting. His special focus is towards marketplace Christians reflecting on the early church and recognising that the primary way the gospel spread was through the marketplaces of the first century. David Balestri leads what is called Marketplace Invasion. He works with churches, with pastors, with business people and believers who hold professional roles in their workplaces. And they're holding marketplace invasion events throughout capital cities designed to equip, encourage and activate believers into a marketplace ministry calling. David Balestri, I want to make a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you. Such an honour to be with you uh, this morning and uh, with the listeners. Looking forward to uh, the conversation. David, why do we need a marketplace invasion? There must be something stirring within you, which actually is yes. pretty fabulous. So tell yeah. us about your, uh, you know, why yeah. do we need it? Yeah, thank you. I think that one of the fundamental reasons is that uh, primarily of all the believers, really only about the, the about 2 to 3% of believers will um, find their primary calling as far as vocation, expression of ministry, in what we would deem a congregational setting. So that's a, a youth pastor, a worship leader, a, a senior minister. I mean, these are important roles, maybe even a missionary um, in the sense of a, a missionary preaching the gospel um, overseas. Uh, that makes up about 3% of the Christian population, which obviously leaves the other 97% of believers uh, to either, well, we have to uh, ask ourselves two things. Number one, are the other 97% unemployed <laughs> in the sense of ministry and mission? Uh, or are they are they actively engaged and called and de- have a destiny on them? And if they do, uh, how are they going to express that? Because we can't confine the expression of the ministry of the other 97% to sitting in a church service on a Sunday. Um, So that expression must find itself in their vocations, in their businesses, in in their schools, wherever they find themselves. And that's why we need, I believe, a real awakening to the ministry that 97% of believers have in the marketplace. Okay, well, let's set ourselves uh, in this conversation today at a very, very important uh, dimension. Uh, Let's assume, David, that we're talking to the 97% unemployed. 
Great. <laughs> so if there's two or three percent, so let's just say there's three percent who have a congregational ministry, and uh, you know we might be right. able to say they're evangelists or uh, pastors. They yep. might be yep. having a teaching role, and it's in their local church, and uh, very very important yeah. roles. People to raise up into those Absolutely. because uh, you know it's a discipleship, mm. uh, it's kingdom movement. Uh, that's all really important. But let's talk about this yes. 97% uh, unemployed yeah. in mission and ministry and sometimes yeah. uh, left out a little bit. Do you have something of your own yeah. story to share in here about how this has been you know, stirring yeah. in you? Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, my first comment just quickly is I don't believe in unemployment in the kingdom. <laughs> of course, that's why we're yeah. <laughs> alluding. There's no, there's no unemployment in the kingdom. Uh, the moment you come into a living faith, in Jesus Christ, you lose your life, uh, you lose your old life, and you gain a new life in Christ. And that life is a life of ambassadorship. So everyone is employed in the kingdom as an ambassador. The way I say it is some people are uh, express their ambassadorship in the church place, and other people express it in the marketplace. For me, um, I, I, I'm a kidpreneur. So uh, I started my first car wash business at 10. Uh, 10 years old with a couple of friends, which was quite successful. And then uh, I was involved in family business since I was in my early, I mean, like 11, 12 years old and stayed in business. I came to faith in Christ at 17 and was wonderfully, wonderfully impacted and transformed by that and served, uh, remained as a businessman then for many years, uh, a faithful member of my church. Um, I wasn't a preacher. I wasn't. I didn't have any formal roles like that, but I, I definitely volunteered whilst being a businessman. Um, you know, in the marketplace, and I got to say to you that one of the big, big challenges for me was that I would get to church on Sunday, and I'm sure that it wasn't intentional, but most of the preaching suggested that if you really, really wanted to serve God that somehow you would have to get into the ministry or, 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 you know, go into the ministry, which at that point meant became a, meant to become a pastor or a, or a, you know, some sort of a, a an employee uh, in the church. And I, I love God with a passion. Um, but I, and I really felt like I wanted to serve God with my best, but I remember many times leaving really deflated thinking, why would God not want me in the ministry and, and instead want me to be a you know businessman or work in a company? I I felt very discouraged, thinking maybe I wasn't good enough to be in the ministry, and that that was many years. I got to tell you, I I I sat in the church thinking that way, and um, I thank God I don't think that way anymore. You know, just as I'm hearing you reflect there, I can't help but draw attention to uh, the, uh, one. some would say, the greatest apostle, the Apostle Paul, uh, who had this, you know, apostleship role, and you might even say that's a uh, ministry designation, mm -hmm. apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, mm -hmm. teachers. Mm -hmm. Sure. And yet sure. he was considered to be a tent maker. And this tent making really meant that he was a minister of the gospel, but in the marketplace. Uh, is he an outstanding yeah. example here of, of where you might think uh, what you do at work actually is important? 
<laughs> yeah, look, I think Paul is a great example of what I would call um, a bivocational minister by design, which I really resonate with. Uh, my current expression is I run a global consultancy company. I, I coach and mentor uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs, Christian CEOs and entrepreneurs all around the world. And yet I also, uh, over the last 10 years, I hold a formal uh, role in Hope Unlimited Church that I'm a part of as the uh, as an elder, as a, on team, as uh, one of the um, lead pastors. And uh, I'm actually the business pastor of the church. So I take care of about 200 business families that are part of our, our, our church uh, expression. And so I, I would resonate with Paul in the sense that he was really called bivocationally, meaning he was in ministry in the marketplace at the same time he was in ministry in the church. So I think Paul is an example. I think the other one that I would suggest to you is Lydia, who helped Paul in the book of Acts. She was a merchant. She dealt with um, fabrics and she was very wealthy. And she used her business enterprise and her prosperity in the through her business to take care of Paul, take care of his team, and actually to fund some of the missionary work that and sending Paul into Spain and into greater Europe at the time. And so I think Lydia also shows um, the, the the opportunity and the value of what it means to be in ministry uh, in business and yet advancing the gospel. You know, that that's one aspect that's there as well. So I, yeah, I think both are pertinent. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. A very passionate guest with us today, and he's passionate about marketplace ministry, the work that you might be involved in as a Christian believer when you're in your workplace or if you're running a business. So 1-800-316-316, love your insights today. You might have a question, you might have a comment, you might even have a critique for our conversation. We'll take some calls in just a few moments, but, um, but David... Uh, let me just ask you here, because some people will be thinking, well, isn't the reason why I give money when I go to church the very thing that uh, is important to do because I'm supporting the congregational uh, church minister? Uh, you know, isn't that doesn't that sort of get me off the hook a little bit? I'm doing my bit. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, I think that giving is an important aspect. Of course, we support. Um, the gospel in many different ways and part of that would be you know for many people giving to their local congregations which I think is really important and giving to some great work other other sort of missionary and 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 other ministries that are very effective and I think that that's a part of our role uh, everybody's role and that includes by the way not only those that work in the marketplace but those that work in the church you know pastors give as well um but I think in the marketplace, what I would say to you, that I, I teach that there are three primary uh, expressions. One of them is, yes, resource uh, generation and giving. Uh, I think the second role that believers have, very important role in the marketplace, is not just giving, but influence, in the sense that we, we get the privilege uh, in our businesses, in our, in our workplaces, in our schools, we get the privilege of being frontline missionaries 
uh, Monday to Saturday, as well as Sunday, of course, uh, to be that witness of Christ, that, that living testimony, the living Bible. I think Paul says, you're my living epistles, the testimony of Jesus. Uh, that's a secondary one. And I think the third aspect is one of impact. And this, Neil, is really where uh, marketplace believers can bring their skill set into um, into advancing the gospel. You know, many, I, I, as an entrepreneur, I, I had no problem necessarily giving to the church. I just always believed that I could also help with regards to some other aspects, uh, innovation, strategies, um, um, you know, being very uh, problem solving. These were all things that I'm doing in the marketplace. And, um, and, and, you know, I could bring that support to my pastor and the leaders in the church at the time that I was serving as well. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316, 1-800-316-316. Just having a little difficulty getting some callers to air here. We've got a bunch of people who are wanting to have their say. Um, just having a little bit of difficulty. We might have to work on how we resolve that. Oh, I think we've got one here. Let's take a call. Ron is in Hobart. Hi, Ron. Welcome. Hello. Good morning and God bless. Ron, what are your thoughts? Um, uh, my thoughts are when the when we are in tune with the Lord and, and got the Holy Spirit with us, it's not really hard to share uh, some of the gospel and, and the, the faith with others. Uh, I think many times it just it's as much case of um, a, a willingness to say something as anything else and I think a lot of Christians uh, a lot of people are reluctant to say something at times whereas you know if it's on your heart in your mind and in your spirit and you really want to share something it's it's not very difficult Um, and I think how we live our lives and how we are in our lives and how we interact with people uh, has a lot to do with it uh, Ron, let's just get a thought or two here from David. David, what are your thoughts for Ron? Yeah, I, I agree with Ron. Of course, that evangelism should be something very natural, very conversational. I, my experience in training, because we, we run a, an actual uh, academy that trains marketplace believers out of, uh, out of the local church here, and one of the things that we talk about is when you're sharing your faith in the marketplace, you know, uh, outside of a church setting or a religious setting, that some things that r- are really helpful uh, is language. You know, not not bringing the Christianese that 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 might be very acceptable and even relevant in say a church setting or amongst a group of Christian friends. But when you're talking to people that aren't necessarily church initiated, um, Language is really important. Being very natural, not 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 getting uh, Christianized in in many of our language. Jesus was very natural when he shared um, in the marketplace. He was very natural. He spoke about he spoke about the fields. He spoke about things that were relevant. And um, and I think that you know, coupled with Ron's thing about just being you know in tune with the Holy Spirit, I think that language, Neil. Uh, is really important. I say that many times in the marketplace, people resist our language more than they do the message of Jesus or the love of Jesus that we're actually trying to convey. Ron, 
Anything further to yes, add? I, yes, um, I agree with that. And just to give a typical example, one of my dear friends had a major stroke. He's in hospital at the moment, and he's got his challenges and things like that. And uh, uh, two days ago, a lady in the, in the hospital where he has died, and one of the, the nurses overheard him praying for the deceased lady's mm. family. And she was really touched mm. by that. And she said, I didn't know you, you had a faith like that. And he said, well, and, and he shared with her about how he believes in Jesus and believe that God's with him. And, and it's his, mm. uh, he loves to just uh, pray for others to support them. Ron. So that's, that's where it's at, I think. Great stuff. Yeah. Ron, thank you so much for your call. Ron in Hobart. You can call us on 1-800-316-316. We'll take another call in just a few moments. But interestingly here, uh, when you are sharing your faith in the workplace and perhaps on your break mm. or in your lunch hour or in the social settings that you have beyond work because uh, some of those things people get a little bit yep. concerned about, uh, but there is a certain pastoral care. And uh, Ron raises something yes. really important here. Not everybody in our workplace is actually going through good things right now, and particularly now uh, where it could be financial issues, could be uh, issues around yes. uh, health uh, challenges. Uh, the Christian and a pastoral care insight uh, often opens the door. Any thoughts here from you, David? Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I think love love must be our guide, our love for our brother, and our sister, I'm, I'm thinking about when, unfortunately, when Cain slew Abel and God comes and asks Cain about his brother and Cain says this thing. He says, am I, says to God, am I my brother's keeper? And God never answers that. But the answer is, yes, you are. And yes, we are. <laughs> and I just really believe that if we could, if we could have that mindset that the people that are around our world even those that would seem uh, resistant or antagonistic to faith, actually, uh, we're on assignment to be a minister of grace to them and love to them. And for some people that, that you know, maybe uh, would be antagonistic about, um, about us sharing overtly with them, I mean, we can at least pray. We can pray. We can pray for their salvation. We can pray that God will continue to touch and minister to them. I mean, I just believe God is God is at work in everybody's life. That doesn't mean everybody's responding to it. But I, I, I don't believe that God begins to work in a person's life the moment that they make a decision to follow Christ. I think, I think the work of God begins way before that. Uh, let's squeeze in one more call before news. Richard is in Swansea in Tasmania. Hi, Richard. Welcome. Good morning and uh, good morning to Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I've had a little bit to do, well, I've certainly worked throughout my life and had a little bit of um, involvement in things like being a safety officer and so on. One of the things mm -hmm. that comes up is a duty of care to your other employees or the employees or your workmates. As a Christian, surely we have a duty to care. You know, part of the safety, sorry, if I can go back, part of being safe is to say, there's a danger, I need to let people know that there is a danger, put up signs, take things in, uh, in hand so that people don't get hurt because of a danger that I know about. Wonderful. Hey, Christian, let me just cut in here yeah. and, uh, because we're about to go to news and we're going to have to get David to hold on to a thought 
uh, for after news because uh, you know sometimes we think of a duty of care before uh, our uh, for our employees or uh, you know as uh, some level of uh, regulation but what about a duty of care before God uh, we'll come back and we'll continue that conversation uh, David before we take any more calls let's come back to the caller that we had just before the news and uh, it was Richard from Swansea in Tasmania and he raised a really important point I thought about a duty of care we feel we have by regulation a duty of care to our work colleagues what about a duty of care to them before God Uh, did you have a further thought or two around that I do I do I think Neil most people that I've um, talked about this particular topic with about sharing faith in the marketplace i haven't met any believer that says oh i don't believe that that's relevant you know for them so if if we all if we all agree that it's important to share share our faith that it's imperative that we do then the question is well what's the challenge why is it that actually it's not as it's not as easy uh, as we would like it to be and and therefore there's some hesitancy and I think that hesitancy, Neil, um, really comes down to this thought about um, how faith is shared in the marketplace um, looks different to how faith is shared in a church setting. Uh, in when we, I call it overt and covert. Sunday is an overt, and uh, life groups and religious meetings are an overt moment of presenting the gospel overtly. But in the marketplace, um, we, we have to use wisdom. And now, now here's a really sensitive moment because many people, when I say we, we need to be covert, some people arc up about that and they go, oh, you mean compromise? No, I don't want to be compromised. And I don't mean that at all. Jesus in the Gospels was both, both overt when he spoke to the religious leaders. He was overt about the, about the kingdom, about the gospel. But when you see him minister to the crowds, to the people in the square, you'll find him very covert. That's when he uses parables. Parables are covert. He wasn't being compromised, but he was being invitational uh, so that people could hear, begin to be drawn into the love of God in a language that they could understand. And so when I mean covert, I just mean that you, you know, Sharing faith in the in the marketplace isn't jumping up on the lunchroom table and uh, you know shouting at people <laughs> scripture verses. And we you know it's just not going to work like that. Um, there's there, there's wisdom. There's uh, sensitivity. Uh, there's there's a lot I could say here, but let me let me just say it this way: Jesus said to his disciples, "I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves." And then he says something really interesting. He says, therefore, be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. There's a wisdom that believers need to have to be able to be effective um, uh, sharers of the gospel in the marketplace. There's a wisdom. And there's also a purity, which is the dove, (laughs) a purity. We're not compromised. We're not giving a watered down Jesus but we're being wise, which just means to understand the environment you're in. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Debbie is in Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. Hi, Debbie. Welcome. 
Hello, Neil. How are you? Good, Debbie. What are your thoughts? Well, everything was just spoken right then. Was pretty much everything that was on my heart. Because, like, some of the environments that we're working in today, they're very ungodly. I work in aged care and I work with a lot of people. The, the language is quite different to mine. And um, I sort of had to go through a bit of repentance because my heart is evangelism. And I think when you're going to evangelise, you have to cover yourself in prayer. And there was a young fella at our work, 23-year-old, just a beautiful young man. God put him on my heart. And I had a death experience when I was 19, and I wasn't going to heaven. I was going to hell. That's another story, and I shared that because... If I had gone through the gates of hell, I wouldn't come out. But I called out to Jesus, and I've shared that story twice. And when I talk about it, I get very emotional because it was very frightening. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I think it's easy to love these people, especially when you're older and you're sort of not involved in all the stuff they get up to. But the young man came to church in Coffs Harbour, Pentecostal Church, Lifehouse Church, and um, is coming back again. And I think it's mm. really easy to sort of hold back and not share and not humble yourself, but you do what he was just saying, you have to be very wise because when you're sharing something that is powerful and the devil doesn't want you to share it, if you don't share it in the right heart, you can get in a lot of trouble. Debbie, so wonderful insight here. Let's get a thought or two from David. David, your thoughts for Debbie? Yeah, yeah I thought I think I think Debbie is right on there. That um, you, 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 first of all, there's a there's a heart for people, which I think is the beginning of evangelism. That you've got to love people with the love that God has for them, and that's really got to be the fuel of evangelism. But then the the execution of it is that wisdom, and you know. It's based out of uh, many times marketplace evangelism is based out of a relationship. You build the relationship first, the, the connection. And then what really what happens, I one of the things I say is that the rules of engagement in the marketplace is that people invite you, invite your voice into different aspects of their life. Sometimes in our eagerness, we might want to, you know, jump in and tell everybody everything. Um but actually there's a wisdom and part of that wisdom is knowing um, the access people are giving you. You, you know, you, you can't just go in like a bull in a china shop. You know, there's a wisdom. And I think that comes back to when Jesus says to his disciples, I want you to be as wise as snakes. And the thing about a snake is, because I mean, I know there's negative connotations there, but actually one of the things a snake is really good at is understanding its environment. And, and that's, that's what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying be evil. He was saying be, uh, be really aware of your environment. And I really believe, Neil and, and Debbie, that God, when, if God puts you, let's say, in aged care, we can pray for wisdom. Um, we can really pray, God, show me how you want to express yourself through me in my workplace. Aged care is very different, let's say, from... Uh, retail, which is very different from a government office, which is very different from a factory floor or a business house, you know. And 
I really do believe God gives us nuanced wisdom on how to minister appropriately in the environments that we're called to and assigned to. Wonderful insight. Debbie, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You can be a part of our conversation today as we talk about what's happening in the workplace, uh, the marketplace invasion that our guest David Balestri is leading. Let's take another call, David. Tony is in Greenslopes in Queensland. Hi, Tony. Welcome. Hi, Neil, and your guest. Um, thanks for hearing me. I've got two probably very unusual work settings. I, I drive Uber part-time. Um, and in, with Uber, I have to be, uh, well, yes, um, quite um, very careful because of the political correctness complaints if you do bring up anything religious. But I have Vision Radio on most times or Christian Music. Um, I feel out people just to see where they're at. Um, sometimes I'll leave them with a riddle which um, is very Christian and I'll say look it up and hopefully they may look it up and it may have an impact on their life the other way is where I'm dealing in the payment solution area so I'm dealing with everyday business people and that's given me a great opportunity to um, speak to people in business Um, some of them because the cost of living happening nowadays um, we're trying to reduce their costs, and then you can also talk about the personal area in their lives too, which uh, often happens too. Fabulous insight, Tony. David, your thoughts for Tony? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's um, I think that's really wise in the sense of understanding the parameters that you've got to work in. I'm thinking about the Uber situation, and um, you know that ability to just put on some some great worship music that can always be a conversation starter. Uh, if the client is the one that starts that conversation about, hey, just I really love that music or whatever, that's that's a beautiful way, beautiful entry in. And and uh, I, I I think that the the thing that I'm really encouraged about Neil and uh, Tony is that when I speak to believers um, about this. They're very innovative. Uh, Holy Spirit is is so beautiful as he leads us with wisdom into how to be effective in this space. Because you know God's in the God's in the saving business, and we're the ambassadors. And so if we will, if we will, you know, open our hearts and really ask God to help us. I just think that there are so many innovative ways. I mean, we could really feel. I could feel the next couple of hours with innovative ways of how um, in the marketplace I'm seeing men and women um, become really strategic and wise on on sharing the gospel, extending the kingdom, bringing, bringing the goodness of God into spaces that just aren't as clear-cut as Sunday morning church. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Tony, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Uh, you might like to have your say, 1-800-316-316. David, let me just come back to uh, what I think will be the reality in a lot of situations. I know there'll be some people saying, well, wouldn't it be good if my pastor or my priest uh, got a hold of this idea and started to teach these sorts of yeah. things in church? But my suspicion is that the people who are best equipped to disciple marketplace ministry may not be the career pastor. Now, 
given that a lot of pastors actually have come out of a business background or uh, mm-hmm. an employment mm-hmm. background and uh, they've got they've got yeah. a real sense of the marketplace a career pastor might not have the same sense of the marketplace as sure. someone who might be a streetwise business person who might lead yes. this sort of ministry in a local church what are your thoughts sure. around who ought to be yes. pushing these things things in church yeah well that's that's a great question and it, and you're right to be fair to pastors, um, particularly those that um, have a big responsibility primarily for the congregational life of the church, one of the things that we've done here uh, at our local church level is we've identified what we call marketplace champions. And that is men and women that are actually still involved in the marketplace. They may be a business owner or they may be a an executive in a company or a you know some position and they have a real heart for this and we've encouraged them uh, in the formation of small groups uh, to actually meet with other people in the marketplace that are, you know, trying to express faith and in a life group setting, actually share testimonies and share story and ideas about how to encourage one another and uh, help one another become effective in the sharing of the gospel and they meet once a month it's you know i'm not trying to say everybody should do this i'm just trying to say how we've outworked it um of course the the senior leaders of our church have a great passion to see the 97 percent of our congregation activated in this space one of the things we say tony is that the front door of our church is not the front door of our building but actually is the the positions, the jobs, the, the, the enterprises, the schools that uh, our congregation is in Monday to Saturday. That is the front door of our church. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take some more calls. We'll squeeze in as many as we can. Marilyn is in Maddington in WA. Hi, Marilyn. Welcome. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Just a very quick one. It's so amazing with your guests that the word for the day is a confirmation on everything that your guest is speaking about. It's actually speaking <laughs> about, about ambassadors. Christ. Yes. Yes, ambassadors. I just encourage everyone to take their word for the day for Monday the 12th and read it because it's exactly what your beautiful guest is saying. So thank you very much. Do you know, do you know Marilyn, I did that devotion myself this morning and uh, wow. I did recognize when he said, uh, when he said, ambassador earlier on in our conversation uh, I too uh, caught on to that. Marilyn thank you so much for drawing attention that's wonderful Thank you it's the Lord and his confirmation 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today let's take another call Natalie is at Camp Mountain in Queensland hi Natalie Hi I I have a a query I guess uh, born out of my experience well, actually, my, my family experience. Um, so I have a, a young niece who's in her 20s who was a mechanical apprentice who's very love, loves God very much, etc. And I have a nephew who's a panel beater spray painter who has just discovered Jesus and he's on fire, which is amazing. Um, but both of these people have said to me how very, very hard it is in their industry to have any sort of oh, positive input even. Certainly as a girl in a mechanical industry, 
And even mm. my nephew has been saying I'm frustrated because I've got this amazing message and he's so desperate to spread it. Uh, but it's very hard in his field, I guess. Uh, full yeah, of confidence on a Sunday and then that confidence can dissipate uh, when it comes to Monday because it's actually a hard place uh, when you're called to work in some settings. Uh, thoughts here for Natalie, David? Yes, thank you, Natalie. That's a really important um, question. I think that what uh, undeniably some workplaces and even some industries are, are really more difficult to some degree or, or seem uh, and they are, in an environmental sense, ungodly and um, harder to bring maybe some sort of opportunity there. The thing I would say um, to your beautiful niece and nephew is that in the marketplace, one of the things that we do is we win the opportunity to share our faith by living our faith uh, dynamically. And what I mean by that is that sometimes, and and uh, sometimes people are so eager to share their faith, and I say to them, that's wonderful. Are you as eager to be the best employee of your, that, that your company has? N- not because your boss is a nice person or because of anything else, but simply because how, you're, how you work is supposed to be as unto the Lord. Now, what happens is that sometimes out of this great diligence of just being, you know, practical things, you know, being early, giving 110%. These would seem very practical things uh, when everybody else is talking down about, you know, I don't know, the, the, the boss or the management, uh, not engaging into that and actually coming with a positive attitude. These things translate and people begin to ask questions and say, hey, why, what's different about you? What, what's, what's this about? And that's where all of a sudden the opportunity comes and says, well, I... I, I really believe that part of my faith is being a great employee or being a great boss or being actually, you know, giving my best. And they're like, wow, that's crazy. Tell me more about that. You know, you know, like sometimes it's we live the gospel in environments that it's difficult to say the gospel until that changes. And then, you know, our words back our actions. So that would be my encouragement to you, Natalie, to just encourage that niece and nephew to go, hey, it's okay. Listen, really give, why don't you just give, continue to give yourself, be be a real witness for Christ through through your, uh, as working unto the Lord and, and then believe God to open opportunities. And and it, it, it does happen and it will happen. I'm a testimony to that in my own life. Natalie, thank you so much for your call. Let's squeeze in one more call. Uh, James is in Kyabram in Victoria. Hi, James. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I was just uh, re- recapping on what the uh, Uber driver said. Um, I managed the taxi company for a time, and the boss ended up selling the business. But after I'd left it, I'd been you know playing the radio and sharing my testimony. People would say, what is your passion? I'd tell them, Jesus. And I shared, did all these things. But at the end, I said, God, what could I have done better in that situation? And he said, Jim, when you did... The best of all you did was when you said no, when they said, here's a drink. And I said no. When the girls wanted to flash their breasts, I said no. When they wanted to shout me into the prostitute parlor, I said no. And I had a prophetic word that God had given me. I shared at the church saying, God said, give me a no and I'll cause the enemy to go. Give me a yes and I will bless. 
And, and, and I started to use that, realise that sometimes we think we've got to do this profound stuff and all that, but uh, no, it mm-hmm. says let your yes be yes and your no be no, that there's, there's an anointing on that in itself. So you can be in the workplace and you just say no, someone offers you a drink or you know, ask you to a mm-hmm. party and you know what's going on, you say no, you don't realise how much of a witness it is. I didn't realise yeah. until God said it to me direct. Um, and oh. I just said, people think, oh, I'm not doing enough. No, your no counts. Your no really does count. Yeah. And your yes. James, if you're going to live a ethical Christian life in the workplace, there's going to be times mm. when your yes and your no become very, very powerful. Uh, thoughts here quickly, David? Yeah, that really that's great, James. Thank you. That really speaks to that doves. I send you out as uh, be as wise as serpents and as harmless or as innocent as a dove, which really speaks to that thing about in the marketplace, your integrity matters, your testimony matters. You know, your yes matters, your, your you know, if you, it, you know, honesty matters. It's, it's a great tragedy sometimes, Neil, that there's a separation between what we believe on Sunday and what we do on Monday. And um, th- there's nothing worse than someone who's trying to say Jesus in one breath and then respectfully living compromise, making all these compromises it, it it weakens, it distorts the gospel. And uh, so you're right. Look, just by the power of the Spirit, we're not talking about, you know, legalism here. We're talking about passion for God, integrity in Christ, uh, fueled by the Spirit of God helping us in all that. Absolutely. James, thanks so much for your call. Time has run out. Uh, I mentioned a little earlier that you're holding marketplace invasion events throughout capital cities. Uh, Let me ask you here, David, for everyone who's hanging on every word here, how do they connect with these marketplace invasion events you're running? Yeah, great. Two ways. Um, If you just Google my name, uh, I'm pretty active in all the social media platforms, so you can find me there, friend me there, and uh, we put up a lot of the these events through the Facebook and Instagram spaces. Um, the other one is to go to our website, marketplaceinvasion.com.au, and, uh, and uh, jump on our mailing list there, and uh, we'll keep you posted as well. Uh, around when those events are happening. So they're they're the two best ways to connect. Okay, so for listeners who are looking for some dates and uh, the connection, uh, Mm -hmm. that's one way to do it. Google David Balestri's name. That's spelled B-A-L-E-S-T-R-I, B-A-L-E-S-T-R-I, or simply go to his website, marketplaceinvasion.com.au. And you'll keep abreast of what's happening with those marketplace invasion events that are happening throughout capital cities. And I imagine there's, you know, is there some ways that people who might be in remote communities can join in some of those by Zoom? Uh, is that does that yes. happen? Yeah, it does. So- uh, yes, yes, yes. When the when the facility allows that, and sometimes what we'll do also is record them and make them available as well afterwards, so you can get the full the full experience as well. Well, a wonderful opportunity to connect today and I know that so many people will be moved by the sorts of things being shared today. Marketplaceinvasion.com.au David Balestri, thank you so much for taking some time to share these uh, thoughts and your wisdom with us today on 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.